Are you tired of seeing the negative pregnancy test month after month and you don't really feel quite ready yet to have medical intervention? You're not ready for any other further testings or maybe you've decided not to do any kind of treatments and you're just trusting the Lord, but you would like to take control of the controllables and implement holistic change within your life. Then today's episode is perfect for you. I got to interview a friend of a friend, Dr. Samantha Bergulio, who is a naturopathic doctor as well as a fertility specialist and expert. So we dove into five areas of our life that you can really start to analyze and make adjustments, small adjustments over time that are going to impact your hormone balance. And as a result, that's going to obviously impact your fertility chances and your conception. So super excited for us to dive into it. There was definitely some key points that I was like, dang, I got to work on that. I felt convicted. Excited for you guys to hear what she has for us today. Let's get into it. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. I am so excited for our first guest expert today. Dr. B from Walk the Natural Path is here with us today, and she's going to be diving into a little bit more about how we can take control of our fertility. I actually met Dr. B through a friend here in Maui. She was posting about how she had graduated from med school, and I was like, oh my gosh, she was this person who's talking about fertility health, and I immediately followed her on her Instagram. I've been following her and stalking all of her content probably for the last year, I would say, and I've just been wanting to get her on the podcast and dive deeper into all the work that she does because she takes such a holistic approach. So Dr. B, I would love for you to take a second, introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, all the things. I am so excited to be here. So hi, I'm Dr. B. I own Walk the Natural Path Women's Health and Fertility Care, and I have such a passion for fertility care. I love helping couples conceive naturally. I'm a naturopathic doctor, which means I got my undergrad degree in exercise science, went to four years for that, then did another four years in medical school. I'm board certified. So that means that I passed two rounds of boards. And I can say I specialize in fertility because I actually have done a year long mentorship with one of the top natural fertility doctors in our field. So I'm really excited to be here. And I can't wait to share more. Wow, that is so cool. I didn't know that you did that. Something that has become such a passion of mine with my journey and our experience, those of you guys that didn't know, Josh and I had tried to conceive for seven years. We then made the decision and felt like we had the go ahead from God to move forward with IVF, ended up with our daughter Highland, who's now a year old, which is wild. But we only ended up with the one embryo out of the IVF process, which even our doctors that walked us through that were kind of like, that's a little unusual. But now experiencing motherhood, I'm sitting here like, I love her. And I keep telling Josh, my husband, like, don't you have like 10 more? And he's like, maybe not 10. 
yet. (laughs) But it's one of those things that I keep thinking through how I am a mom, but I'm still somebody who deals with infertility. Like it's been a year postpartum now and we haven't done anything to protect from not getting pregnant again. And so in the back of my mind, even though I'm not actively trying to conceive or ready for number two, I wouldn't say that. It's still something that I'm like, huh, that's interesting. It's not just happening as they say. Now moving forward, I feel like I'm a different person where holistic health is my primary focus. Even the way that we've done things with Highlands since she's been born has been a lot more holistic approach. And then obviously we did the home birth and all that. So I kind of went from one end of the spectrum to now this other end. So I would love to hear a little bit more of your advice and your starting point for women who are just tired of seeing that negative pregnancy test. They're trying every single month to conceive. Where is your starting point? What do you have people dive into when they want to tackle this area in a more holistic approach? Yes, I love that. So I love to start with what I call the foundations of health. The foundations of health include sleep, movement, diet, reducing stress, eliminating environmental toxins. And we're going to go into depth about each one of these and how we're able to not only know that we're in like a normal range, but an optimal range because fertility is unfortunately nowadays, it's not necessarily normal anymore. And we need to be in that optimal base. So if we're going to start with sleep, I highly recommend getting seven to eight hours of good sleep a night. And what does good sleep mean, right? This means we want nice REM sleep, not tossing and turning. We want to wake up feeling rested. We want to wake up ready for the day. So good sleep is really important. And how do we achieve this, right? I mean, we're stressed. There's a million things going on. We have bedtimes that can change or go back back and forth. If you are already a parent, you know, there's so many other things on your plate and sometimes you can't even do them until the end of the day when everyone's asleep. So how does that work? I do like to start with sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene is a great way to implement some habits in order for you to get better, more restful sleep. This means making a non-negotiable bedtime for yourself. I really like 9.30 p.m. Some people are a little bit more of a night owl than I am. So I'm like, okay, let's go 10.30. That's that's okay. As long as we can get seven to eight hours. So bedtime is important. Then having a nice nighttime ritual. Do you have a cup of tea when you're winding down? Do you brush your teeth and wash your face and then have the cup of tea? Am I going to read? Should I turn my phone off? That's always a big one, right? A lot of times people have a hard time putting their phone down when they're going to sleep. If that's it, I recommend baby steps. So maybe putting your phone on night mode, which takes it from blue light to that yellow light. It's a lot softer. It doesn't quite, it doesn't stimulate the same things in our brain as that blue light does. Um, having blue light glasses. A lot of people like to watch TV before bed. I will say if you are someone that has a hard time falling asleep, this can definitely make that even more challenging. So sometimes people like that noise. So I recommend listening to a podcast, (laughs) reading, (laughs) anything that doesn't really involve that green is going to be really helpful. I also recommend sometimes light movement before bed, maybe some stretching or some yoga, sometimes some soft dancing. I know that might that might sound silly, but I know a lot of people feel free and just kind of release a lot of tension when they dance. Anyway, so and then if you're having other issues, so say you're snoring at night, or you fall asleep, okay, but then it's really hard to stay asleep, this might show maybe possible sleep apnea, or you know, your cortisol levels being imbalanced. And this is something you definitely want to address with a physician or a practitioner. So make sure you do get that checked out. We don't want your cortisol levels like spiking mid sleep that can totally wake you up and cause restless sleep. As well, if you have sleep apnea, you're not going to wake up feeling rested 
no matter what time you went to bed because you're not getting full night's sleep. So those are some of my tips about sleep. Next would be movement. So I talk about movement in this way versus like saying exercise because I think a lot of people get a little nervous or kind of have anxiety or stress attached to exercise. So I really like that word movement because it really means like any kind of movement, like cleaning, gardening, again, dancing, yoga, going for a walk. I just want you to hit 30 minutes a day. This can even be separate. It doesn't even have to be told like all at once, right? I have people set their alarm. Like every every three hours, their alarm goes off and they have to promise themselves at least five to 10 minutes of movement until it equals 30 minutes for that day. If you're in your office, that can mean going for a quick walk. That can mean stretching on the floor. I actually have a mat, an exercise mat in my office. So when my alarm goes off, I move. And it's really nice to just have it right there because it, it kind of eliminates some of the excuses, right? It's like, no, I can do this. I have time. I have five minutes. So that's something that I really like to recommend. One of my new tips for movement is actually pelvic floor movement. What that's going to mean is like hip bridges, lunges, again, dancing, like moving your hips, feeling free. The more blood flow to that area, the more of all the, what I like to say, good stuff flows there. So, you know, more blood cells, more healing nutrients going to that area. And that's going to be amazing for your ovaries and uterus, right? Because we're sitting and there's blood that just pools and just kind of stays there. If we're having pelvic movement, that's going to help a lot and more more so than I think most people think. The next thing I love to talk about is diet. So diet's a hard one. A lot of people have different feelings and opinions about food. Also, people have insecurities about food, right? I have a lot of people that talk to me about their diet and they one feel nervous to tell me what it's like or they're not eating enough because they're scared if they eat too many calories that about the weight gain. And so I usually actually ask my patient first, what does food mean to you? You know, what is your relationship with food? So that's something to evaluate, make sure that you look inside yourself and also think about that because we don't want to make things worse or more stressful around food. Food should still be an enjoyable experience and you're nourishing your body. And that's how I want everyone to eventually think about it is I'm providing my body with the nutrients it needs to be at its optimal health, optimal fertility. So with that being said, diet, I love the classic Mediterranean diet. This is basically a base of all fruits and veggies, you know, getting as many, many vegetables in as you can. Then we kind of go into grains, nuts, seeds, then we go into poultry and eggs. And then following is kind of like the beef and the dairy product. You can actually look this up. I, it's, I'm like, it's kind of hard to describe without my little nice colorful pyramid that I usually pull up. So I would look it up the Mediterranean diet pyramid. And even at the bottom of some of the pyramids that even have like actually like socially eating with people as part of it, because in a lot of European cultures, the having dinner with like friends and family is actually a part of it and has been shown to actually cause benefit or create benefit. Anyway, so I would recommend looking up that pyramid Mediterranean diet, it will give you all the good information. If you have more questions about foods and fertility, I actually have a guide that specifically goes through like all foods. And that's really helpful. And that's actually on my Instagram. So you're welcome to look that up. But the big thing about diet, my big, big, big tip that I feel like a lot of people are missing is one, the amount. So most people are especially women do not eat enough for hormonal health in general, we need a certain amount of macro and micronutrients a day. And when people usually give me their diet recall, I'm finding it's not nearly enough, especially when it comes to protein. If you are vegan or vegetarian, there's so many different plant sources of protein. And so any types of protein is important. We just need at least 20 to 30 grams in the morning. And that is something that I'm like, kind of a non 
non-negotiable for my fertility patients. I'm usually pretty chill about a lot of things, but we need that protein in the morning. It's, it's going to make a big difference when it even comes to sleep and fatigue and brain fog and all that stuff. Yeah, it's that you mentioned the protein thing, because that's something that I've been focusing on with my nutrition plan is I kind of follow more like mindful eating, but like with within those same principles that you just mentioned, because obviously you feel your best with all of those things. They're whole foods. They're not genetically modified. <laughs> and so that awareness, you're just like, wow, I feel amazing when I'm really intentional about what I'm putting in my body. But that 20 to 30 gram thing about protein, I think is really, really valuable for women. So when it comes to sugar, what are your, what are your kind of encouragement pieces in that? Cause I do feel like I talk to a lot of women where we're living off of caffeine and we're living <laughs> off of sugar. And I think that that's like the whole not eating enough. It's like you may be eating, but you're not eating the right amounts of food of the right things. It's like, you're not getting the protein. You're not getting the whole grains because you're just grabbing the quick, easy fixes for the moment you're busy. So do you want to like touch on sugar for a second? Yes. I know sugar is a hard one and it's also addictive too. So it's just like this whole circle we get caught up in, but with sugar, usually recommend having a simple protein snack, like on hand. So nuts are a great one for a lot of people, not the best because it is processed, but I do know. So there's this chomp dicks. I don't know if you've heard of them or seen them, but those are a better go-to than if we were to just like open a bag of M&Ms or whatever it is that you like to go to. So having the protein first and then being like, okay, if I still need something, then I can have a little bit more of like a quick, yummy, salty or sugary snack because you'll want less of it. You will not crave as much because you already have kind of filled and satisfied what your body was actually craving or needing. When it comes to sugar though, if there's a complete addiction, I actually walk through like a whole process with my patients, how to quit sugar. And it's usually like four weeks, like old turkey besides things like fruit. And then we kind of slowly work it back in. But sometimes that's just the easiest, best route. And that's like, a, like you said, like a whole nother thing we could talk about. <laughs> no, that's a great place to start. And just great tips. Be mindful of it's not about being like, let's change everything right now. But these tips be mindful that everything that you're talking about so far, we've talked about sleep, we've talked about movement and diet, those pieces and the pieces we're about to get to, they all impact our fertility. We can't be ignorant of all of that. That's the whole point of this is not to be like, hey, let's check out all the areas we're failing. But let's just make small minor adjustments that are going to add up one more thing on the diet thing, just because you mentioned coffee. And I feel like a lot of people talk about coffee and <laughs> love their coffee runoff coffee. Coffee isn't the enemy. I will tell you that right now. It's more about the caffeine that we look at. And so I just say quality and quantity matter, meaning you can have two cups of coffee. And when I'm talking about the two cups of coffee, we're not doing like the venti or grandes at like Starbucks. I'm talking like an actual cup, which is like eight ounces. I know people love to consider the coffee at Starbucks one, but I'm so sorry. I'm talking like 16 ounces max, but you can have that and just make sure it's like, it's a good brand that is probably organic. That's probably going to be one on the better side of coffee brands, but you don't have to completely eliminate those things, those loves, just everything in moderation. That's the key. I needed to address the coffee piece because I feel like a lot of people get scared of it. And if also, if you're like drinking it and being like, I shouldn't be drinking this, that mindfulness piece also plays a giant role into things. And like, that's a good segue into this next thing, which is reducing stress. I know everyone in the fertility world has at some point probably been told to just relax. It will happen as soon as you relax. And this is the worst thing I feel like you could ever say to someone going through a fertility journey. And unless you've really been there or worked with people in fertility, you don't really understand the level of impact that that comment has. And so when I say reducing stress, I'm not telling you to just stop being stressed right now. I am telling you to find ways that we can 
can help manage stress. And I know I help a lot of patients do this, but you can reach out and get help from a friend or a partner. Um, for some people, it's their therapist, but how are you going to manage these stressors, right? Some people, it's their job and they can't get away from that. So how are we going to manage that? Do you need to work out in the morning? Does that help the job feel better during the day? Do you need to work out at night to just kind of like let everything roll off your back and just try to like reset? Do you need to talk to someone about it? Does it need to be a friend? Like I said, is it your partner? Is it your therapist? Talk therapy is really helpful for some people, but not so helpful for other people. I know some people love to create a playlist and just like feel all their emotions that they're feeling and then reset and then just start their go about their day again. So finding how you manage stress can be hard. I'm not going to be like, this is going to be like the easiest thing in the world. But once you put some time and energy into it, I promise it will pay off because you'll start to learn more about yourself, more about your actual stresses, right? Like sometimes people are just like, I'm stressed and they don't even know why. Really digging deep to figure out like, what are what are your stressful triggers? That's going to make a really big difference. I have one patient who has tried everything to help modify and reduce stress and actually found that her way of reducing stress was ceramics. It made her feel good. It made her feel calm. It made her feel like she was doing something creative and like with purpose and could like give those things to other people. That was something that made her feel better and just kind of reduced the overall stress. And kind of one of the last things I like to talk about, but it's still a big one, is eliminating environmental toxins. This one, I swear, can also have a really long talk. (laughs) This can be, this can go on for a really long time. However, I like to stick with the basics when we're just starting out. And those are things that we use every day. So we're looking at finding clean laundry detergents. Uh, I will tell you right now, a lot of times laundry detergents, I don't know why I've noticed that on this mostly have like cruelty free and like biodegradable and like that stuff's great. And I love that, but that does not mean it's non toxic. So that's just something that I just kind of wanted to point out really quick before I forget to mention it. And I've noticed it's a lot of laundry detergents, but I really like the brand Altitude. I also like Molly Sud. There's another one, Charlie Soap. There's a couple out there that are really great. Environmental Working Crew, EWG, the app actually has a bunch of like approved laundry detergents on there. And it's really helpful to be able to look them up and kind of compare their rating. When I say rating, they like rate them zero to 10 and 10 is like kind of the most toxic and zero is like environmental working group stamp approved. And those are usually the ones I look for. But so anyway, I mentioned laundry detergent, but they're things that you use every day. So also dish soap, lotion, shampoo and conditioner. I really like Under Luna. It's a great brand. I'm on their subscription deal. I love it. I've just started using them like a couple months ago and it's been great. Anyway, so makeup, makeup's a big one. Environmental Working Group has it on their app, but I really like going to actually one of their websites. It's called Skin Deep. If you look in their search bar, you, you can search a lot of products. I have a quick question real quick. So one thing that I was thinking about just now as you were sharing that is that a lot of times women are cleaning up the toxins in the home, right? Because we probably use more stuff because we wear all the things. But for the men, what things do you feel like are any things that they might be using that we may not know we could make some adjustments for? Because I feel like that's an area that may be overlooked for couples. Yes, I love that question so much. So shaving cream, that's a big one. Hair gel, I don't know if that's like still a thing, but I do know some people wear it. And that that can definitely be toxic. Deodorant, deodorant for obviously men and women. We just want to make sure that it's clean. We do not want the antiperspirant. Also their shampoo and conditioner, their lotion. So basically any like personal care product that you see your partner use, which especially daily, switching that to a non-toxic one is going to be really important. 
I will tell you for men too, just kind of going off that like random segue, we need to be careful about, you know, underwear. We don't want too tight of undergarment. I know a lot of people like to wear though. I think it's briefs because then boxer briefs are the ones in the middle, right? Boxer briefs tend to be okay, but I do talk about like the looser, the better, uh, especially during like trying to conceive time. I know people like to wear those bike shorts. Oh, the compression shorts. I think that's where I was also going with. Yeah, a lot of people like to use them, you know, when they're working out or riding a bike. If you're going to ride a bike, I will say don't ride it super long and please do not wear those biker shorts, at least during, again, that time of trying to conceive. When you say trying to conceive, is that like the week or two where it's ovulating? And like, is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about the whole time? Like if you are every single week, like they should stay away completely. The whole time. Oh, okay. The whole time. Yes, because mature sperm take about nine. 90 days to develop and the problem with like things that are too tight is the heat so I like to tell people a little anatomy lesson really quick that the testicles are outside of the body for a reason we don't want them to be as warm as our actual like core is so if we're putting them closer that's getting too warm and that can actually damage the sperm anything else you want to touch on on the eliminating toxin environment yeah so honestly just switching up the products another main one is water filtering our water is going to be huge. I always say any filter is better than no filter. So a lot of times people are like, which filter to do this, that like I read on this one. I'm like, honestly, like any is better than none. I recommend one that has a fluoride filter. That's always something that can be a game changer. Another big one is kind of I know a lot of people are talking about this, but you know, the electronics. So I recommend putting the phone on airplane mode when you go to sleep or it better get sleeping with it outside the room. If you have a laptop, don't put it directly on your lap, get a barrier, any kind of barrier. Barrier. I actually have a little laptop desk that I love, but you can even put it on a pillow like that's okay. But just being mindful about those types of things. And then obviously, the last but not least, like reducing plastic. So plastics are just scary. <laughs> and if we can, you know, have Tupperware instead of plastic ones, let's do glass ones. Um, instead of drinking out of a plastic water bottle, let's use stainless steel or glass. Just making those t- kinds of switches. I know it's almost impossible to eliminate plastics. Like everyone loves those Stanley cups right now they have a plastic straw you can 100% try to go find like a glass straw or stainless steel straw those do exist but like I'm also not going to be like you're drinking out of a plastic straw like it's the end all be all like I said it's just give and take just be mindful about it you're not in this space right now where you can completely change all your pots and pans about maybe buy one pan that you can cook with like majority of the time that is a clean and safe one same with like one spatula or utensil just baby steps they make a big difference especially over time that's going to be key for optimal health and optimal fertility. I love that. I took pages of notes literally right here because I'm like any and all things that I can make adjustments from Dr. B, I'm going to implement. I love that, those tips. So let's finish with you sharing ways that people can get connected with you. They're listening. They're like, okay, I need to work with Dr. B. What are different ways that people can get a hold of you and options and ways, opportunities that they can work with you? Do you do anything virtually if they're not in the same area as you? What does that look like? And kind of give us a 411 on how to connect more with you. I am virtual and in-person practice. So in-person would be in Scottsdale, Arizona, virtual anywhere from the United States and Canada, actually, I can work with. You can reach me at like drsregulio at gmail.com. More simplistically, though, you can just go on Instagram at walk the natural path and you'll be able to contact me through there. I also have a little like apply to be a patient form on there, fill that out. And I actually offer 15 complimentary 
complimentary consultation calls. So you can talk specifically about your case, ask if I can help. So yeah, Instagram is probably the easiest way. And that will definitely be my next steps. I have been making some small shifts and paying attention to several of these areas that I'm not quite there yet. Like even the sleep, I was like, oh, that was that hit the nail on the head for me. That's a that's a hit to the heart. I got to work on that. Thank you for these incredible tips and where to start. I'm excited for us to do hopefully a part two where we dive more into the hormonal side of things. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your heart and your passion for fertility because it truly does give women like me, oh, it makes me emotional, like so much hope because truly being a mom is like such a gift and it's something that we don't know what we don't know. So having that expertise out there, sharing things like this, tangible tips that we can get started with. And then the next step of working with someone who's going to advocate for us and do it in a way that's going to honor our bodies. People ask me all the time, like, would you do IVF again? And I'm like, it was so hard on my body. It, I felt like it wasn't the healthiest thing to do ongoing. And so for me, I want to do everything I can because I know I'm not like all these areas you mentioned. I know I'm not there. There are adjustments that I can make. So for me, I'm like, I want to pursue that first and foremost before taking any other steps. So thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing with us those five places that we can really focus on and grow. And I'm excited for anyone that gets the honor and privilege to work with you. I think it's going to be such a gift to be able to see those women make those adjustments and hopefully have those miracles come to life because of your work. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Courtney. Um, This has been great. I would love to do part two. I think that sounds so awesome. And just sending lots of love and healing vibes towards everyone listening today. I just want you to know that you are not alone. And if you ever need a safe space to get comfort, please reach out. You know, you have my information now and always here to support. I love it. Now I'm going to (laughs) cry. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.